Welcome to System Mastery, the podcast where we beat a dead horse until a child version of that horse from the future shows up to stop us from beating that horse 1d6 damage at a time. I'm Jeff, John's around here somewhere, and today we're bringing you the Sailor Moon role-playing game and reference book. It's mostly reference book. It should have been called the Sailor Moon Obsessive Guide to Buildings in the Backgrounds of Obsessively Catalogued Sailor Moon Episodes, and also there is a tiny role-playing game in there, I guess. So... Let's transform and roll out on... No, hold on. Thundercats! Oh, no, no, that's not it. Hang on. Let's spin around naked till our outfits get way skimpier on today's System Mastery. Welcome back to System Mastery. Uh, we are super excited to be here. John, how the heck are you this week? I am so sleepy. It's the best. I'm loving everything. It's warm, and it makes me want to just bask like a lizard. It, it is a, it's not hot. It's just warm here. Yeah, in it's just it's warm. Like, it's like 78. Yeah. And uh, for folks who don't know, well, now you know, we have a guest this week. So uh, so James D'Amato from, uh, from our parent podcast network of the One Shot and Campaign podcast is here uh, this week to to talk with us and get this in in a first for the show he's going to be reviewing a game and not just answering questions not on just on a, dicking around yeah, yeah just wasting time on an afterthought I mean those don't even exist anymore <laughs> <laughs> well hello heroes uh, you know John I I have to say I'm really glad that you're basking like a lizard because the lizard is colder um, you know it's <laughs> it's much better it's, it's much, much better. better. <laughs> Uh, listen to Expounded Universe. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's our. Uh, if, you, if you don't know what he's talking about, that, that's a shame because that's our new jam, Expounded Universe, where we review Shadows of the Empire way too slowly. <laughs> I I am very okay with the pace of this. I, I we really get to dig down on how much everyone in that book is an asshole, uh, which I really appreciate. <laughs> everyone from Shizor to Douche Rendar, uh, they're all there. Uh, so, so James, we are here this week, though, not to discuss Star Wars, but to bury it. <laughs> yes, we come not to bury Star Wars. Uh, we we come to discuss Sailor Moon. That's right. Um, an, another you know, like world stopping pop culture powerhouse. Uh, not quite on the same level as Star Wars, but uh, I believe is something near and dear to a lot of people's hearts. And it'll be great for us to just uh, poop all over this role playing game. Uh, you know, it's funny. Yeah, it's super near and dear to a lot of people's hearts. Not mine at all. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not anti Sailor Moon, but I've also never really watched more than like an episode or two of it. So I'm kind of. I'm kind of ambivalent. I, I'm. I'm neutral, and so I'm coming to this with an open heart. I, I think uh, most people, like in the '90s, like it fell on a divide of you were either really into Dragon Ball Z or you were really into Sailor Moon, and there were. Very few people that like did both. Um, that that you know that makes sense because I did watch every goddamn episode of Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> yes, um, but I, I didn't see most of it because that was just my background for painting forty k armies show. And yeah, no, nothing helps you concentrate to quite like. <laughs> You'd be amazed at how relaxing that show is when you're not looking at it. But uh, but yeah, so I, I I'm on the other side of the Sailor Moon divide. But that that being said, I, I have no ill will towards it. Uh, I, I'm coming here with an open heart. I think it, it, the magical girl genre probably 
has metast- uh, metastasized. How do you say mm-hmm. that stupid word? Metastasized. W- whatever. Yeah, metastasized into something a little unwieldy at this point. But Sailor Moon is kind of the OG, or not really, but might as well be. I mean, I mean shoot, it, this book it sure- is the like founding property for team-based magical girl stuff. Um, that, and that's true. You know, along with like Cardcaptor Sakura and Saint Tail, I, I think it really shaped the genre like in a deep way that we still see today, even if. Uh, like certain other series, I'm looking at you, Madoka, have like influenced people in a weird direction uh, that, that doesn't <laughs> quite line up with things. I've tried to watch one episode of Madoka, and that was it was a bridge too far. Madoka is, I, I think, quite good, uh, but it is like the Watchmen or Dark Knight Returns of the magical girl genre where everybody took away from it. Ah, oh, we should just be super violent and assholes. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, so what we're saying is effectively like the creators of Elf and Lead were probably big Madoka fans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, fair enough. I know my anime. I know a little bit of my anime, not a lot. I don't know any of your anime, but uh, <laughs> but I can definitely tell you that the author of this book and oh gosh, what's the full title of this thing? Uh, I want to make sure people know. That is Sailor the Moon S- Magical Adventures in the Yet. It is uh, <laughs> the Sailor Moon role-playing game and resource book. Is, Thank you. The Sailor Moon Which, role- I got to say, it's about 20% role-playing game and about 80% resource book. <laughs> I'm glad at least they were honest in the title. and they were, they were They came out and were basically like, hey, so the contents of this book are mostly fan magazine, and then we put a role-playing game in there, too, kind of as like a... Like a, like an extra little prize, yeah, yeah. I, I think actually um, that that is one of the things I appreciate most about this book is the fact that it provides like an unbelievable amount of setting content for Sailor Moon, um, and there's also a crappy '90s role playing game in there too. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. This is something that I mean, we might as well start with this. Mm-hmm. This is something that John and I have experienced. I want to say three times before this now, which is that. Anime-themed role-playing games, and especially anime-licensed role-playing games, are overwhelming with setting notes and setting details and history of the show. It's a lot like you're reading someone who wants to prove to you that they are the, they're as big a fan as you. Like, this is a worthwhile book for you to read, because look how much I love Sailor Moon. I, I think and, it's actually a really Western approach to uh, fandom in these spaces, because I, I, I don't feel like there's an overwhelming amount of concrete information about things in like Dragon Ball Z or Sailor Moon that that's something that a lot of US fans like took and put in their manuals um like Sailor Moon if you watch the series doesn't even have a defined power set and you know here oh, no. we are <laughs> here we are in the role playing book <laughs> trying to like attach numbers and like no this means this thing and 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 there are concrete rules that that rule this when really like the anime and and manga were just like oh, you know whatever needs to happen is going to happen and we're just yeah, here they for shoot the beams ride at each other they just shoot beams at each other until everyone but sailor moon falls down and then sailor moon wins yeah. and that's and that's a sailor moon <laughs> but uh it's it's interesting i mean notably I'm thinking about, I've read the Dragon Ball Z anime, I've read Big Eyes, Small Mouth, and the thing I notice is that they really get into the technical details of the backstory of their genre in a way that other books don't. Like, for example, when we read Stormbringer, there there wasn't a chapter at the beginning about the publishing of books before Stormbringer that led to Stormbringer. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like, there wasn't, like, in 1965, 
uh, the <laughs> the author James R. R. Tolkien did this, and it, you don't get that as much. But this book's like, all right, so we have to go all the way back to the beginning and talk about uh, whatever that witch girl anime is the the very first magical girl anime of 1966. Yeah, and it, it's uh, it's a lot of detailed history. And then we're going to hit the other thing that is in every single anime uh, RPG ever in about 100 pages from now, which is what it's like in a Japanese high school. Yep. Yeah, you got to <laughs> know that. You really have to know. If you want to play somebody who fights monsters, who has the ability to transform into another superpowered identity and fight monsters, you got to know the school structure in Japan. It's, you need to know. It's so weird because... It's it's one of those things like, all right, for, say, Panty Explosion, where the whole thing is set in a high school, like, the whole thing, sure, okay, I can kind of understand why you're giving me that, but Sailor Moon is sort of tangentially attached <laughs> to that. I mean, they don't even all go to the same high school, yeah, no, as like, I have now learned. There, there will be a scene where, like, we are in school, I have to go save someone. Yeah, that's that seems to be pretty common. At, at least, and the other thing is, in Panty Explosion, or I believe it's now called Tokyo Brain Pop, uh, there wasn't that's just a better, a but on, also worse name. By the way, I know it's, <laughs> it's lacking a little bit of the uh, of the false advertising vibe that the first one had, since the word panty does not appear in the book unless it is followed by the word explosion. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway. It had a whole section on what it was like to be a teenager in the Edo period of Japan in it. Yeah. Which you couldn't even play in. It was just like, oh man, I know so much about Japanese history that this book is a Japanese history book, you guys. Well, I, I'm a lot more forgiving of this particular role-playing game uh, for that because it's aimed at kids, right? Like, Sure. It's aimed at fans. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it is aimed at a parent to run for children. Uh, that that's the vibe that I get from it. Like there are a bunch of like in universe things that like would clearly be aimed at kids. Um, but you know, this is ostensibly like an activity that the, the parent I think is going to be the only thing that can really scratch the surface because I feel like sailor moon is prime demo, like eight to 12. Um, and it's hard to imagine some of the things in this book an eight to twelve year old caring about at all. But it could be something that, like you know, your nerdy forty year old dad is like, "Oh, this is like an actually interesting educational thing that I can tell my kids." Um, Man, if you would ask me flat out what the uh, what the demographic for Sailor Moon was, nerdy forty year old dad would have been my first guess. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I mean, at least if. You're going along the idea that this is supposed to be for the like the dads to run for the kids. Then I can it I can at least forgive the the fact that it does like an episode by episode breakdown for like an entire chapter. <laughs> There's a lot of that, yeah. That's like the that's like the numbers one and kings one and two of this book. Yeah, I mean it was it's uh it's one of those things where you look at it and you go, man, this is just tedious over information, but. If you're one of those people who's like, no, I'm not going to watch a single episode of this, then maybe then you can get some information. So if your kids are like, I want to play episode 23 of season two. You're like, well. Uh, it says here that they fight a bad guy All and right, Sailor Moon bastards. wins. <laughs> here's, a, here's a guy with claws or something. I don't know. It says here that Sailor Moon wins with the power of love. All right, guys. You figure it out. <laughs> 
I learned so many things about Sailor Moon from this book. Like, I had no idea those red balls in her hair amplify her hearing until now. Yeah, um, I, I think that <laughs> is an invention of the game, uh, more so than a, a fact that, like, they the areas where they were willing to editorialize and, and go out on a limb and say, yes, this Odongo provides an in-game effect of amplified hearing, um, for, like and and that might be true. I haven't watched all of Sailor Moon yet, so like they might say later. He did on mention that, it only happened in one episode. Yeah, you get you get extra powers for for your stupid jewelry, but uh, like there are also areas of the book where they're only willing to speculate on things. They're like, mm-hmm. what's the governmental structure of the Negaverse? It could be so many things. Also, there was a bit where it's just a, it's, I want to say about a page and a half that's just a list of buildings you can see in the background of Sailor Moon episodes. I and if it. he doesn't know what they are, he guesses. <laughs> that's, uh, I don't know, probably bowling alley. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> this building can only be seen in the background of episode 36 in the far horizon. It is probably an office or governmental building. <laughs> It, it's like, so weird because it does mean the person constructing this manual was essentially going frame by frame on this series, just trying to get as much information as possible. I mean, this is like a 200 page rule book, uh, but there's a lot of stuff that I would consider to be filler. Um, oh, yeah. And it is densely packed with too much information, as, as y'all have pointed out. Um, so too, too much backstory and a ton of filler. Wait a minute. This actually is the best anime RPG ever made. (laughs) (laughs) There was an entire chapter about just following a bug around. I don't even know what was going on with this. That was a little bonus section from the Naruto RPG. (laughs) 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 But but yeah, I mean, the amount of... It's interesting because what he did is uh, cataloging, but not so much world building with the cataloging. Like, he was afraid to touch the delicate balance of, of... of a museum he had created. So he was like, well, in this one episode, you can kind of see what looks like it might be a boutique in the background. There's no way of knowing what's in there. Anyway, moving on. Yeah. And it's well, like, <laughs> finish the thought, dude. I think the the interesting thing to me, and this also, again, going along the lines of the various anime RPGs that we've reviewed, is uh, unlike a lot of the more Western uh, licensed properties, they don't really give a lot of stats to things like that. Like, they'll go episode by episode and talk about buildings and doing stuff, but they're not like, all right, the structural damage capacity of this building is 53. You know, <laughs> That's I feel true. like you'd get that way more in a more traditional Western RPG that they would have been like, oh, and aside from just like the main characters having stats, they would have just statted out everything that they had talked about though the things that they do stat out in these books are like it's a weird different direction because (laughs) they have defined like almost every major npc not just by their stats which you have in-game stats if you just want to play sailor moon characters but they're telling you things like their hobbies their favorite foods their blood type that uh, one makes perfect sense. I mean, yeah. Street, Street Fighter Two told you the, the Street Fighter's blood types because it's like the Zodiac of Japan. Yes. Yeah, but they also have Zodiac. Yeah, they also have Zodiac signs. 
Well, that's just because there's some Sailor Moon art book out there that came out with the anime at some point in the in the early '90s that had their birthdays in it, and so he just did the he just did that work for us. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love on the actual character sheets for this. It has a spot for birthday and zodiac sign, and I'm like, oh come on! Oh, I love that stuff. It, like we'll get to this in the character creation bonus content, but I used one of the official character diaries for this role playing system to make mine, and a character diary is a forty page booklet that has that has family trees for your wow. character. <laughs> now, are these? I, I haven't heard of these because we don't we do no research. Of course, mm-hmm. that's that's uh, tenet of the yeah. show. But uh, are these character diaries? Are they associated with specific characters? Uh, no, character or diaries are, just like- are associated with specific classes. I suppose the system is doesn't really have classes. But when you're building characters using the core rulebook, you can decide to either be a sailor, senshi, a knight, or a, a negaverse character. Um, mm-hmm. So. Like the three diaries that they put out were for Senshi, Knight, and Negaverse. I, I have a Negaverse diary and I have a Knight diary, um, and I use the Knight one. But uh, I, I mean, like, ah, well, I'll save it for the bonus content because there's just there's just so much ridiculous nonsense in it that actually kind of makes me really love it and respect the design a bit. But speaking of the design, we we haven't spoken of the design of this game. That's I, true. I, I figured we could probably give about as much attention to it as the book does. Yeah, so uh, about 20% of this podcast actually, will be about the actual crunch of this game. And, and just to interrupt and, and point something important out, uh, James just mentioned several times uh, that the bonus content for this episode, and uh, yeah, we're going to do bonus content, same as we always do. If you donate to the Patreon, you get it, no matter what level. The important thing to take away, though, is that James is sticking around. He's going to be on two episodes with us because he'll be there in the bonus content. So if you're a big fan, give us a dollar. Yeah, it's time (laughs) you give them a dollar, huh? Just a dollar. It's about damn time. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, why don't we talk about the design of the game? Uh, Let's start with the the, the thing that the book starts with, which is choosing which one of your three roles you'd like to be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, As as you mentioned, James, it's you can be a sailor scout, you can be a knight. Or you can be a negaverse, though the negaverse ones are uh, just the bad guys. If you're playing as them, you should be playing as all them. Effectively, is what is what the book says. Yeah, because this is this is just making villains as the DM, uh, because the point values for them end up being a little more cost effective to be powerful. There's, they have strengths and weaknesses, and you know, spoiler alert for the bonus content. When I realized that both of you had made knights, I went ahead and made an evil villain. So. <laughs> So uh, you'll have you'll have your very own bad guy. Uh, but the the system for this is super simple. Uh, it's very very easy. It is a two d six based roll under system. Yeah, yes. I, I will and add the caveat to that is it is functionally very easy. Um, <laughs> you know, when when you're flying that baby in the air, it's very smooth. Uh, putting it together is, I think, another story. Uh, there's a lot of discussion you need to have prior to a game of this. Uh, a lot of the character stats that you're going to create are entirely nebulous and up to DM uh, discussion, uh, and all these amounts of points you get for things uh, work the same way. So, for example, your core character has three stats, and those are mind, body, and soul, and you have a number of points to spend on mind, body, and soul, and it's 
it gives you some suggestions for various power levels, like a starting Sailor Scout has 12 points to spend here, an experienced one might have 21 or 25. And then it gives you about a half page on, if you would like to roll this randomly, here are a bunch of ways to roll this randomly. Yeah, so it's, it presents you with a pretty fair, well-working system, and it's like, but if you prefer bad games, you can play this game bad. <laughs> I like the. I, here's the thing I was going to say. I wasn't about to dump on it for this. I, I actually really enjoy this because it, even when he's like, here's how you randomize these elements, mm-hmm. it's it's a polite way. He's saying, hey, you, you might want to randomize these because you heard about role playing games from Dungeons and Dragons. You haven't learned anything else about games yet. Uh, if you do, it should still be the lesser half of your character stat points. It should be a large number plus a smaller die. Yeah, it's here's most of what you would have. And then a D6 added on. Yeah, and I I like that. I definitely agree uh, with with part of that, at least, that I I like uh, the fact that it's it's sort of like included as a maybe you would want to try this. But again, this game is designed for tiny children. Like any sort of game that you're, you're playing for tiny children if everybody doesn't have like an equal stat value, uh, it's going to lead to problems very quickly. That's definitely true. I, I, I mean, granted, I don't think he thought he was writing it for tiny children because there's a whole section at the beginning of the book where the author goes into very great detail in a, a numbered list of why he wrote this book. <laughs> and it's it's like, in uh, several of them are very, it's interesting because they're very mercenary reasons. He, he had things like, uh, Sailor Moon was just coming out on Adult Swim when I started writing this book, and I realized that it would be a, a ready-built audience of people who would like to buy it. Uh, there is not a good RPG that is aimed at women, so I feel as though that is an untapped monetary market I could get into. <laughs> and it was it was an interesting list, and I was like, why is this in the book? Yeah. <laughs> this is this is a great list to write on your wall, like your whiteboard first, and then write the book. <laughs> he had a page quota that he had to meet, obviously. <laughs> oh, that's very the, obvious. The page quota is mentioned on the same page as the list of reasons why he wrote the book. He's... He says, when I first started writing this, I wanted to write a 128-page book, but then it quickly became 140, 168, 208? It, it was, it's such an interesting page. It's like his blog entry about why he was doing this. Yeah. That whole page of this book reads like something you'd hear on the F+. Yeah. In, yeah. So um, moving forward. So yeah, the the other thing uh, about that that I was going to say is... Yeah? Uh, given that this is a system that is full point by, like that's everything is point by having a random determined amount of points for things <laughs> is also real bad. I think, I don't think there's a person in this collective Chicago slash San Diego room that doesn't more or less think that, uh, rolling dice for stats is relatively obsolete at this point. Oh yeah. But it's still one of those things where if you wanted to go like, yeah, we wanted to make weird random characters with the D&D style, where it's just you roll and you've got that as your stat, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But when you're rolling for number of points to spend, it it's just literally I'm worse than you no matter what yeah. if I rolled lower. Especially yeah. with this game, because like there aren't many points. It's not like you know, you'd be rolling points in something like Shadowrun, where the number of build points you're working with is like 240, and if you're rolling a couple d6, like the variance is maybe increasing one stat or two stats. In this game, like if if you roll those stats differently, it's going to be wild. It's going to get yeah, buck it's really going to mess with your game. 
I mean, granted, this game's already going to kind of mess with you because of those three roles you choose between. And once again, that's mind, body, and soul. Uh, let's see. I believe twelve is ultimate supreme master of the universe stat. Yep. If you ever if you ever have a stat that's twelve or higher, your character is automatically retired. Uh, that's because no, it's a uh, oh, roll under system, I believe, yes. for most stat that, checks. So, and it's yeah, two. That's D6. correct. And, and an average human, I think, had a four. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Four is an average human. Uh, ten is basically what you would say best in the world would be. Mm-hmm. So getting to an eleven or twelve is supernaturally amazing. Yeah, and during the character creation, one of the three people that they use as their examples chooses to just play a Sailor Mercury. Yeah, mm-hmm. just like I'm going to play a Sailor Mercury, and he when he's done with his character creation, she has a ten mind stat. Yes. Um. So, in addition to choosing these three stats, which are you're going to get. Uh, on average, 15 to 18 points to spread between them. So you're going to end up being slightly better than an average human, pretty much all, or a straight-up average human is the low end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Once you're done with that, you also want to choose those roles. And let's talk a bit more about those roles, because believe it or not, there might be people out there who have no idea what a Sailor Senshi is. Yeah, we we have (laughs) done no setting discussion so far, too. Um, And the thing I do want to point out, the book does say uh, there's like a fourth choice. Uh, There is, uh, or actually, I think a fifth choice, technically, because they're like, you could also just be an ordinary person. Um, Oh, boy. I was going to say, when we talk about (laughs) Sailor Senshis, the scouts, the, you know, Sailor Moon, Sailor Mercury, those characters, there there are a couple options for that. You've got Inner Scouts and Outer Scouts, and the Inner Scouts are the ones that everyone can name. Uh, the ones you're used to from the show, uh, Mercury, Mars, Venus, Jupiter, and Moon. The outer scouts are, like, advanced level scouts, mm-hmm. where, if you know about <laughs> This is them, advanced, Mark. Yeah, <laughs> these are advanced. Uh, they are mer- the uh, the other planets, uh, and this game is, wor- this world is old enough that Pluto counts. So you've got Sailor Pluto, Uranus, uh, Neptune. Did you know about the gay ones? Yeah. That's <laughs> you mean the ones that were made do du- the one that was made a dude in America or whatever it was? Uh, oh no, wait, no, they, they were make, made they cousins. Make a, make they were guy. made cousins in America. That's what it was. And the, yeah, they the, were super friendly cousins. The sexual undertones were still there, <laughs> so we just made it like incest gay instead of gay gay. So good on us, I guess. Way way to be America. And way because, to be. because this book is very cataloged, it also mentions the Star Scouts, which are from the later seasons of Sailor or just one season of Sailor Moon. They are three like they're a boy band basically. Yeah. And their big secret is that they're a boy band that turns into Lady Scouts. Yep. Yes. So th- they they turn into Sailor Star Healer and Sailor Star Fighter and Sailor Star Make Maker. Uh, and they're rad looking. They, uh, even when I was a kid, I was always like, "How come the show isn't about them?" Because they turn from sexy dudes into sexy ladies, and they have like leather on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, Sailor uh, Moon was always playing with like weird, interesting elements like that. Um, but but Sailor Stars are like something that it it it's amazing uh, the the things that came out of this. Um, yes. But uh, so yeah, you, you've got the, your Sailor Scouts and Sailor Scouts for for people who don't know anything about Sailor Moon. Sailor Scouts are uh, superheroes, um, magical girl superheroes who are themed based on you know our planets and and solar system. Generally speaking, uh, you'll yeah. note that there is no Sailor Earth. Um, that that that's sort of like filled by the night role, kind of. Um, yeah, because of Prince Damien. Yeah. Uh, who I just learned about. Yeah. So it, it's it's like uh, there's essentially you, they transform into uh, magical people in sailor 
costumes, which are essentially Japanese school uniforms. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, They're just color-coded with each other, and they have magical and nebulous powers uh, that they use to fight a various set of supernatural villains. Uh, Unlike American superheroes, they're not really here to fight crime. Um, It's supernatural threats. Um, And that that is your basic invading enemy. Yeah, it's basically just invading evil that they spend their... They they, they alternate time between invading evil and uh, boys. Yep. (laughs) Basically. Yeah. Uh, And the the big thing to note about the transformation is... It's the perviest thing ever. They look exactly the same, just... Mm -hmm. Their clothes change slightly, yep. <laughs> but no one can tell that it's them. That's one of my... Well, here's the thing. This book tells us some stuff that I'd never heard of before, and it really changes the story for me. And I'm not sure if it's true or not. It, it mentions, for example, that uh, Usagi, or Serena, as she's known in America, the main character, Sailor Moon, mm-hmm. is 13, and she's in junior high. She's a 13-year-old girl at the start of the first season. When she uses her sailor transformation power, she's 16. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, that doesn't really seem to be a thing, um, that, that, at least with what I know of the show and like, I, I listened to a couple podcasts and they haven't mentioned like an age changing thing. Uh, the, a, a thing to note about Sailor Moon generally is in the Sailor Moon manga, uh, the ages are slightly different, uh, for certain characters than they are in the Sailor Moon anime. In the Sailor Moon anime, Usagi is definitely a a fourteen year old girl, um, mm-hmm. and like I, I think she might experience a birthday at some point. So like, but she's fourteen through the majority of the series, um, and uh, her like her boyfriend, quote unquote, in the manga is is seventeen, and I think this is based on the TV series, so we we get to know his age, and it's real fucking crazy. Um, it get, yeah, it reads a little creepy, but then when you're actually watching the show, they mostly just stare at each other lovingly from about four feet. So yeah, also it, uh, the tuxedo mask, who is uh, the Prince Darien, the Knight of Earth. Uh, that is the other role. One of the other roles you can be is a mm-hmm. knight. Uh, he is a protector. He's sworn to protect Sailor Moon and Serena, but has horrible visions that if he actually has a relationship with her then bad things will happen so he can't be with her so they just sort of stare at each other longingly yeah he has a convenient uh god-given reason for why he has to spend all his time I hanging have all around these out nightmares of going to jail that is only season one <laughs> oh i know i know I, we know they hook up eventually but in the first season he certainly seems to have a lot of convenient reasons to hang around outside of middle school uh yes yes that is <laughs> don't true. we all though <laughs> I so that was kind of a weird thing for me. I mean, the the book. I'm just t- reviewing the book at this time. The book says that they get older when they transform, and I think it's because they're trying to play down a little of the skeeve factor that you'd get from this show if they didn't. I, and I think if that's like, actually it's cool, a really guys. neat uh, power fantasy factor for for younger girls who might want to play the game, or or younger people who might want to play the game. Uh, you know, it, it's the the Captain Marvel factor is like not only do you become a superhero, but you become like a a full adult. And you get all the privileges that come with being an adult. That's kind of rad. You, you're going to turn into a, a, a sailor scout, and also you've got your period now. I for a, and you can drive a car. You don't need to because you've got magic powers. You can turn into a superhero and have dessert first. <laughs> 
You can go on all the rides of the fair and fly. I, but for about a full minute while you were talking about the Captain Marvel power fantasy, I was like, what, you mean Carol? What? How, Carol doesn't turn into a kid. <laughs> I Okay, so... so yeah, there's this thing where when you first are introduced to Sailor Moon, if you're like me, people told you about Sailor Moon in high school, mm-hmm. and they were like, so there's this show where a bunch of like teenage girls get naked and spin around as pink energy, but still visibly naked pink energy, and then they then they put on the porn version of schoolgirl uniform outfits and shout about their powers, and I can see where if you're writing it for young kids and you're like, I want to avoid that stigma of what a lot of America thinks Sailor Moon is then here's how I'm going to do it. They're 13, but they turn into teenagers, like real teenagers. <laughs> real. You know, like, like legal in Indiana real teenagers. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean when I say that. <laughs> and then it elbows you in the ribs. Yeah. I, <laughs> so the, the other big thing to note uh, for the setting and for the game is if you're choosing between being a Sailor Scout or being a Knight... Uh, scouts are all girls, knights are all boys. You can be a, like with the, the, the star sailors, uh, you can be a guy as long as you turn into a girl when you become your scout. <laughs> yeah, I found, it, I found it interesting that he didn't even briefly entertain the notion of like a dude scout. No. No, There, there's sexual dimorphism with magical powers. That's how yeah. human, human, like people work. Thousands we all of know years that. ago, in yeah. the Silver Kingdom, the crystal kingdom or whatever that was your sexual dimorphism was girls turned into scouts and boys turned into knights yeah <laughs> oh that's another thing that this is this is ground zero for the i may look 13 but i'm actually an immortal energy being isn't it yeah <laughs> <laughs> the uh the big thing with that as well is for differences in power levels scouts are way more powerful just you know in as far as i can shoot ridiculous blasts and they've got control over elemental energy, mm-hmm. whereas knights have control over emotional energy, which is a an interesting flip on there that the whole thing that's like, oh, I'm in charge of emotions and being emotional is the guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you're looking at if you're looking at, at Sailor Moon as a feminist power fantasy, there's no better place to look than the fact that uh, Tuxedo Mask effectively is the bard. Yes. Like his whole thing is you guys can do it, and then they do. Yeah, no, the the knight class is very much a support to the scouts. Yeah. He's not the one who's coming in and like, I'll save the day. He'll come in and be like, I'm helping out. Ah, I see you've got it. Goodbye. Yeah, he's the joxer to their Xena. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's sad. Can't he at least be the Autolycus? Fine, he's the Autolycus to their Xena. Sorry, we've been on a daytime genre TV show kick all day. Oh, loving it, loving it. No, uh, I gotta say, as, as a Sailor Moon devotee, he's definitely more of a jockster type in my book. <laughs> he spends he spends the entire first season, like, negging Yusagi. Uh, he, and, and there's also, like, the famous episode where she goes to a party, gets drunk, and then he kisses her while she's unconscious. It's it's not good. Like even uh, even if you things. take out the age discrep- discrepancy between the characters, he still sucks. No, it's fine though because he's the king of Earth and she's the immortal moon princess or something. Well, they're they're destined been... moon lovers. They are destined yeah. moon lovers. Like they are going to fall in love because of destiny. That can't be helped. So we all know <laughs> that should... it's going to be fine eventually. 
I, I hope just... that works in court. Look, <laughs> we're destined lovers. Well, it's Japan, so uh, those laws are very different and kind of <laughs> messed up, especially at the time uh, period where this was written. So yeah, there yeah. you go. She just waits for her to wake up, and he's like, don't worry, that was unpleasant, but you're going to love kissing me in 30th century mega Neo-Tokyo. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Don't yeah, you feel better now? <laughs> there's there's an odd time travel component to the setting, which is that all of the the sailor scouts and the the knights and everything were thousands of years ago. There was a kingdom on the moon, mm-hmm. and then it got invaded by the Negaverse, which is sort of your main bad guys, and the like Princess Serena and all of these various scouts and knights and whatnot got zapped into the future to get reincarnated yep which is what it's the well it's the plot to samurai jack yeah so except reincarnated yeah so the yeah, queen barrel tore open a portal in time <laughs> yeah that it or it wasn't her it was queen, it was queen serena, serena or whatever but queen serenity who did it uh where where her evil was law yeah At, but uh it's it's a neat story. I I, th- I mean, granted, the, the, it starts to fall apart when they start introducing Chibi Usa and then Chibi. No, Chibi. no, no, no. Because Chibi Usa. <laughs> oh man, this is where it gets really crazy and super weird. Uh, <laughs> I know because she's not. She's like her, she she's Queen Serenity from the future in her sailor form, which is a five year old. Well, no, no, no. It's even better than that. Uh, so nine hundred years after the events of Sailor Moon, like Sailor Moon, like grows up. Uh, becomes uh, the ultimate form of Sailor Moon, marries Tuxedo Mask, and they have a child. And then uh, in the American version and Japanese version, like the reasons are slightly different. But either way, uh, the world is plunged into an ice age, which uh, keeps all beings on Earth alive, but in stasis. Uh, 900 years later, uh, like Sailor Moon emerges and fixes everything. And a portion of the world's population is like, okay, well, we all recognize her as the supreme god queen of Earth, and that's it. And then the other half of the Earth's population goes, that? No, fuck that. And so they're banished <laughs> they have to. to the Dark Moon Kingdom. And uh, Queen Serenity runs uh, Crystal Neo Tokyo. Um, and they have a daughter. And that daughter steals her mother's power crystal and goes back in time to hang out with her mother when she was a kid uh, in high school. And this is something that her mother is fine with because she knows that it happened and she has to allow (laughs) it to happen. I feel like... I feel like the uh, half of the half of the world that rebelled must have been the half of the world that knew Serena already. Uh, yeah, <laughs> no, I ain't following her. <laughs> I'm not following her because as soon as she gets on the throne, she's just going to start killing people if they don't bring her a cool enough Doraemon chi- uh, keychain for her phone. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting up there, going, uh, "Madam, there we are being invaded by aliens," and she's like, "I like." Show you ramen the best. <laughs> it's like, oh, we we we've got to replace her. Well, this has to happen. In in, uh, in her defense, she just knows that she just has to get in front of them and do her attack, and then it's over. <laughs> Fair enough. So okay, we got to talk about how to play this this game. Yes. We, we've made it through three of the stats. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, uh, but, but I do want to point out the fifth class is uh, something that I really appreciated. It was bizarre characters. Oh, that's right. Um, For like, if you want to play as Alan and Anne or a cat. <laughs> yeah, or Artemis or Luna. I can't. The amount of effort that this guy goes into to make sure that we understand Alan and Anne, who I l- l- let me just guess, John, James, you tell me because I'm a big Naruto mm-hmm. watcher. 
are Alan and Ann universally dismissed as not manga? This is a crap part of the show. Uh, yep. I, well, not yeah, only okay. that, but like it is just bad. <laughs> okay, uh. because that's how it is in Naruto. Whenever they run out of manga, and they're like, "Let's just see what's going on at school." <laughs> it, it's the worst episodes. Uh, yeah. The uh, so there's only those three stats. Those are your only three things. You've got your mind, body, and soul. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you get into your sub attributes. Yeah. Uh, so not so much stats as it is your powers and various things you can do. So when you first start, the big thing you're going to be looking at as a scout or a knight or a negaverse person is there is a specific stat for being powerful uh, as one of those. And so it costs a certain amount of your character points, usually around uh, 20-ish, 20 to 25 is what they suggest for that. But uh, all of the levels for powers go 1 to 6. Mm-hmm. They cost a certain amount of points per level. Yep. Uh, but the if you get like Sailor Scout power or Knight power, whatever, uh, it costs more than most other things, but it then gives you points to spend on those sub-attributes. Yes, it's a particularly nice energy conversion or power point conversion rate as well. So, for example, if you... Uh, I, I made a Negaverse guy for my bonus content, so I, I made him level 3 in terms of Negaverse power set, and that gave him 60 points to spend on Negaverse attributes. Yeah, whereas... Say if you're doing a scout or a knight or things like that, being level three is going to give you like 30 points to spend because you're not fighting a whole team of people. And and level three, for reference, cost me 15 points in the first place. So it was it was a one to four exchange, but it did limit those points to be spent exclusively on negaverse powers. Yeah, which was it's a pretty neat. It's a little complicated for a little kid, I think. Uh, I think if we're looking at this game as aiming at the target audience of Sailor Moon, the show, then then you're going to find yourself having to help kids make characters a lot when running the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but otherwise, I mean, it all it all makes sense. And here's the thing. This is one of those games where I'm worried when I see the numbers, when I'm like, everything is doing these huge varying amounts of numbers, and there's a lot of doubling going on. Oh, God. Uh, where I'm worried that the system will fall apart the moment you start a fight, because someone will shoot someone else and be like, I did three times as much life as you have. Well, yeah, I mean, it's... It's fairly easy to get to the point where you can just one-shot a bad guy. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, you know. part of it. And I, as somebody who has actually run this game before, I can tell you, hey, that's the problem with it. <laughs> <laughs> that, we, we couldn't. We don't have enough time here to actually run te- combat tests in it, but that was our initial guess. And I've fallen for this before, where I've been like, this game's so simple, and the numbers all kind of make sense. And then people point out, yeah, but when you actually play with them, it immediately falls apart. And that, uh, the, one of the biggest examples of that for me was when we both were like, Big Eye's small mouth is great. Mm-hmm. And people were like, no, it isn't. It's extremely broken. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I, and, and, and I think the tri-stat system is related to Big Eye's small mouth. I'm um, fairly sure we're looking at the same author. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not 100%. Don't quote me on that. I forgot well, there, to read there's it. There's an ad for Big Eye's small mouth at the back of the book. Yeah. Hey, you read all the way to the end. Good hey, job, look at John. Me. I did the whole thing. You get a donut. <laughs> yeah, it, it's... Uh, it, like it, I, I think generally speaking, it is not good. And like, if people were going to run an anime thing, I would tell them to avoid uh, doing the tri-stat system at all. It, it's mm-hmm. one of those things. A lot of people think it's good because there's a lot of verisimilitude in it, and it's like, well, that's the reason that it's bad, actually. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to talk ver- verisimilitude, this book is the king of it because every one of the powers in the neutral knight. Uh, Sailor Scout and Negaverse sections includes a 
just a, a uh, example of that power in use somewhere in the show, including multiple examples for various power levels. Yeah. So <laughs> it'll be like in episode 27, you can see that uh, Amy uses this in order. And you're like, OK, great. See, my favorite are the ones where he has no example to think of. Where he's like, uh, one of them's extra attacks, for example, uh, where, where he, his example is no one in the first several seasons of this show has extra attacks. Don't you, don't you want to just have a character that's strictly better? I know. It, <laughs> I, I, didn't, I did not take extra attacks in my character design, even though that is the first and foremost thing when it comes to a, action economy breaking. If you would like to build a, a role-playing, li, uh, folks who listen to this for role-playing advice tips, being able to buy the number of attacks you have in a round is the worst thing you can do. Stop. Don't don't have variable number of attacks. Don't do just it. Don't don't just don't ne- do it. Never do it. And don't make it a thing you can buy because you just made the only thing worth buying. <laughs> exactly. I mean, just, yeah. Just, I, I looked at this as like, well, if I wanted to spend my points efficiently uh, while playing this, I'd just invest in that and I'd be good. You could get yeah. away with like only buying one level of your senshi knight stuff. And spending the rest of your points on stuff like that, and you'd be more than fine. Absolutely. And the uh, the other weird thing with this is the bonus points that you have to spend on your sub-attributes are not only your superpower, so you can get your senshi attacks, or your knight attacks, or you can get uh, the ability to combine and do a mega attack, things like that, but... It also is a one-to-one for your stats as well. So if you really want to have just someone that's like, I've got straight tens and everything, you can do that fairly easily as well. well I thought yeah, that I are... thought that came out of your neutral attribute points. It does. Yeah. 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 But you've got twenty to spend. So if I was like, spend, look, so. I'm a I'm I'm a level one scout and then i just spent everything in neutrals to get ridiculous <laughs> points i don't need to transform i am a badass all the time yeah your chances of failure are like what 12 to 18 percent at that point yep yeah so pretty much anything you can come up with it's not just do damage to a target if you're like well i'm just going to evade until i can trick him into running into power lines or something i'm the is- perfect human yeah, um, you're just playing as Captain America at that point. Yeah. Oh, dude, Sailor America. Hell yeah, <laughs> guys! I got to remake my character. Hold on, hold on. We're making we're making scouts for countries now. We're making the Avenger Senshis. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, there, like I was saying, there are three blocks of what they call sub attributes, but are really just powers that you can buy. Uh, they include things like uh, the core one that we already talked about, which is the Knight or Negaverse sub attribute that gives you the bonus points to buy all those uh extra attacks uh there are a lot of these are uh, what's the word i'm looking for here uh window dressing yeah where until you get to like level four in something it doesn't do anything and there are other ones where all the way down the chart it doesn't actually do anything well nothing also, defined it's amazing don't... how much nothing is defined in some of these yes yeah there there are a lot of powers that are essentially ask the gm like for uh, both of the the scout and the knight, whether it's elemental control or emotion control, if you're looking at it, it's like, what's level one? You've got a small amount of control. What's level two? You have a moderate amount of control. God what does that it. mean mechanically? Yeah, and it, but it gives you examples. It's like uh, Sailor Mercury has moderate control over water. That's why there's always all those bubbles and stuff behind her. That, that really upset me because the stat value descriptions, uh, like it, it is still just a list of adjectives for part of it, but 
I, I think it was slightly better written than most of the sort of uh, escalating adjectives that I see in role-playing games. But that completely falls apart in later sections of the book. Yeah, when you're looking at the powers, it's always the same track. I think it's mild, moderate, strong, extremely strong, primal. Yeah. Uh, is the level of control, and that applies to anything that, that is a nebulous gift you get. So, for example, uh, your amount of elemental control, your amount of emotion control, your, around, your amount of environment control if you're a negaverse person, and for all of them, the strength of magic items you take. Mm-hmm. So if you want, like, like uh, I, James will be the expert here. The, 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 all the Sailor Scouts are bedecked in, in magical baubles. Yes, everybody but, has their own magical bauble that helps them turn into a Sailor Scout. Uh, Serena has, like, an assortment of different magic items that have various effects but most of them are just transform into a sailor scout as well yeah it does. and all of those come in power ranks as well where you can buy them from one to five and it's like this is a primally powerful artifact of, of power that does a thing ask your gm what it does great yeah <laughs> there's also there's somewhere it doesn't it, it's uh, only window dressing halfway up as if it's just sort of a, a point tax to get to the point where it matters for example, the neutral attribute of uh, attractive, which I think has a better name than attractive, but from one to three, you're just increasingly hot, but it doesn't do anything. Yeah, it's like, level one, you're pretty hot. Yeah. Level two, oh, you're real hot. Level three, you're smoking hot. Yeah. Level four, you're you're luminously hot, and you get a plus one to another thing, yeah. uh, the ability to distract crowds. Uh, so it's, it's a feat tax. If you spend three points in being hot, you are leaving points on the table because one more point and you get to the point where it matters. Yep. So there, they, there are built-in point taxes that, it, and point taxes like that are okay, I guess. But, <laughs> but really, what they are is traps for little kids. Yeah. Uh, when you look at when you when we've been talking about who this game is for, something like that, where a person's like, "I want my sailor to be pretty." Two points of pretty, and you're like, "Oh, that does literally nothing." Why did you Why did you do that? Well, I can't. I still can't imagine a kid. Like even at, the, I guess in the twelve, when you get to twelve, like the the very end of the Sailor Moon core demo, I, I would say, yeah, you'd probably be power gaming a little bit. But most of the time, I got to imagine it, this is on whatever parent is forced to run this. <laughs> Fair enough. That that is true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you just got to wait for that parent to be like, yes. You're very pretty. All the boys think you're so pretty. Everybody got two right. points in pretty, okay? So there's no arguments. We're all two. I, I wonder I wonder if, like, <laughs> I mean, I've never actually run a game for kids. I would love to do that at a convention sometime. But I'm wondering if, like, a 10-year-old kid is going to be able to play a Serena-style character especially effectively. Because Serena's a big, dumb klutz mm-hmm. is, the whole, is her whole thing. Yeah, but that, kids are big and dumb. So yeah, but they don't want their character to be, to be big, big and, and dumb. dumb. Yeah. I don't think Serena is going to be a very popular archetype among eight or nine year olds. They're all going to be describing my perfect character never gets hurt and has a force field. You say that, Jeff, but this game ingeniously uh, sidesteps that by having Serena be just much more powerful than literally everybody else in the book. (laughs) Well, I mean, the book, from what I gather from exclusively from reading this book, that's true of the show, too. It is. It is true of the show. It's how the show works. uh, But I think it is a terrible like. You don't want that dynamic. You don't no. want that dynamic at a role-playing table with adults. You certainly don't want it at a table with children. It's it's a revision to when we reviewed the Batman role-playing game, and it was like, here's the Batman. He has the best stats ever. Everyone else has to have way worse stats than the Batman. Give the Batman to your most trusted player. Oh, 
Come and I was like, on. look at the rest of the players disappointed. What? What is my most trusted player? What the hell is that? It's Bob. It's He's Bob. your number one. Bob's pretty good. Give it to Bob runs Batman, okay? <laughs> Bob never touches my pizza. <laughs> yeah. I, so anyway, uh, there's all these cool things you can buy. There's also a, uh, a list of character defects you can choose. And character defects aren't what you think because they're not actually defects. They are... Well, let's just say that the Sailor Scouts themselves are 100% awash in character defects. Yeah. Because everything that defines what a sailor is from the show is a defect. Well, there's... Uh, the thing with defects is, unlike the main attributes where it goes 1 to 6 for your levels, defects are all 1 bonus point or 2 bonus points. Mm-hmm. All of them. And the 1 bonus point level is, this doesn't matter. Yep. It's regardless of what the defect is, it's like, oh, it's... I don't know, easily ignored or it doesn't really hamper your day-to-day life. No one cares. It's a free point. And then the level two one is, this This hampers you a bit. And even then, it's not terrible. But that said, every single power that every single scalar, Sailor Scout has has maximum defects in all available categories. Yep. You, uh, well, you need to have you need to wave your arms around and you need to say the words. Yeah, the, the, like the iconic Sailor Scouts, like absolutely. In, in the book, that's exactly how it's working. I, I don't know what to make of the defect section because it, it thankfully... Uh, it does not have the standard, uh, what is it, flaws, character flaws. Yeah, class that you clown see. and stuff. There's no, yeah. like, mental illnesses here. There's, there's no, no, I have one leg. Yeah. Yeah, there's no missing limb Sailor Scouts or anything like that, which actually might be a problem for, for disabled players uh, who want representation. Cool. But, like... I don't know. I, like it's it the the things are very specific to the show, like recurring nightmares. That's like yeah. its own flaw. Yeah, that's I was I was surprised to not see a lot of the ones you get used to in these. Uh, the ones I'm used to seeing that make me dislike flaw system so much include ones that are a bargain you make with the DM. Having to, a villain. Uh, yeah, to act in a certain way. That's I'm thinking of something different, but you're right. The bargain you make is the class clown one where you're like, you have to tell jokes all the time. Here's five points. Yep. Um, the, the, the villain one is the one where you say, I would like extra points in exchange for also always having the spotlight on me. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's none of that. There's none of the unlucky or anything like that. They're almost all role-playing defects. Yeah, they're all just, they're all just things like if you want to use a uh, super star fire beam power prism ignite, then you have to, uh, do a hand gesture. And if your hands are bound, you can't do super star fire power prism ignite. Yeah. Um, so they're, they're all fairly simple, but then again, that's every power that I've ever seen a sailor scout do. And I've watched two episodes of the show. And so you are pretty much an expert. I, I'm a hundred percent an expert. Cause I'm assuming that every episode of the show is basically that, um, <laughs> which is sailor moon stands there and she says like moon prism, power and she does a dance and a little ribbon twirls around and then a bunch of crescent moons fly out and hit someone and a bunch of croissants fly out a bunch of croissants delicious delicious croissants fly out but I assume if she doesn't say moon moon prism power or if she doesn't do the little dance that nothing happens well uh, I mean I think you're halfway right in your assumption uh the the real answer is well that never happens because they're recycling animation to save money so <laughs> so there's never the threat that she won't be able to move her arms she's going to move her goddamn arms because we paid for those cells to get made <laughs> and we've got 20 minutes to fill <laughs> so, 
So the, the defects aren't that bad, and they don't give you enough points that you feel like you desperately need to load up on them. But if you're making a regular Sailor Scout, you're going to give yourself those, you need to say something, you need to wave something, you need to have a thing, uh, defects, just because you're making a Sailor Scout, and that's what they have. Negaverse guys are obviously not work, functioning the same way, because the Negaverse characters aren't always yelling like, evil, bad guy, power, time, go. They're just doing their thing. Yeah. So but they have other ones like there's servitude is one and you're going to have two points of servitude because you serve Queen Beryl. In, well, only if you're making a negaverse guy. If you're from the Dark Moon, then you're serving Prince Diamond or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Come, See, come totally on, different. Yeah. So, uh. And if you're if you're Alan, then you serve the Doom Tree. The Doom Tree. <laughs> Look at me. I'm a big old expert on Sailor Moon now. This book did at least one comprehensive, useful thing for me. Yeah, you you probably <laughs> know more about Sailor Moon than a lot of the people who watch the show because the show does not take a second to breathe and explain itself. <laughs> you don't need to. You've got enough lights and nonsense. It's fine. So we're basically... Okay, everything does a crazy amount of damage. It's all in increments of 10 oh, type situation God, where... I hate if you, that so much. I know, I know. It, it, it's at least it's not like Palladium, where it's in increments of d6 times ten. Mm. <laughs> um, but uh, it's like you know, a, a lesser beam does ten, a medium beam does twenty, and it goes up to sixty. And if two Sailor Scouts help each other, then you can go to one hundred and twenty. And if they shoot their sixty damage beam at a Negaverse guy shooting a sixty damage beam back at them, the Negaverse guy's damage doubles because it's eviler than the good beam, and it does one hundred and twenty. <laughs> I so there's all these things. And combat is very, very simple. The one thing about this game, and it's the same thing as in Big Eye Small Mouth, so it's, it's another tri-stat offshoot thing, is that you, not, you are not rolling against a set defense when you're attacking someone. You are rolling against them or yourself. You're saying, do I hit? I will roll against my own accuracy. And then they say, do I dodge? I will roll against my own dodge. So this game, unlike the original Big Eye Small Mouth, has a little more interaction because the good attacks include penalties assigned to the other person's skill roll. Yeah, the higher your uh, attack sub-attribute or whatever you got, uh, usually has a writer of the uh, roll to defend against this is like plus three. So now when you're trying to roll under, you have to add three to whatever you rolled. Yeah. 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 All right, so... You know, I, I hate to... Oh, c- uh, I'm going to, real quick, just the derived stats in this. I'll get on those real quick. Uh, you've got your health, which is your hit points, and that's your body and your soul times five. Mm-hmm. You've got your energy points, because, of course, using any of your crazy superpowers takes some energy. So that's going to be your mind and soul times five. Yay, a mana system in a tabletop game. Woo! <laughs> And uh, you've got your combat value, which is the role you need to get under in order to hit. Uh, and that is the average of all three stats. Rounded down. And uh, then the defense value that you need to roll under to dodge or block or whatever is that value minus two. Yep. So that's all the stats there are in the game. And then most of the rest of the time is just busy writing out your blood type and hair color and, and uh, hobbies and strengths and weaknesses and what have and you. your family tree and your, your shoe Your family size. tree. <laughs> I hope you have all that ready for the bonus content. Oh, don't don't you worry. <laughs> Cuz I did I did something real stupid that John's ready for that where I have a whole I, I uh, we'll get into it. Anyway, um what we we have a lot of uh, post-show business we have to attend to here. So, let's go ahead and get into the wrap-ups. As always, what we like to do on the show is our favorite and least favorite of the show and then also would we play this game? Uh, so I'm just going to go around the room here. We'll start with uh, John. I, I think we'll go and then let James go because I think he has big answers on this. Uh, John, w- uh, what's your favorite thing about this? 
Uh, favorite thing, I do like the the 2D6 simplicity. Uh, it's very easy for, say, a kid to get into the idea of, I'm rolling dice and I want to see low. Uh, your stats don't really get ridiculously high. Uh, the fact that your defense value is your own thing is also good for a kid to always see what they're doing. Okay, that's good. Uh, my favorite thing about this game is going to be that uh, or, or that gender inversion reinforcement that we were talking about earlier. Yeah, I, I really, really like that the that the uh, game has knights or the boys that are playing. If you're playing as boys, they're support characters. They're there to effectively be nurturing and enthusiastic and uh, and supportive, and that's a real weird thing because in in ninety percent of games, even games that are like, oh, this is set on a crazy fantasy planet and no one is a human and and uh, it, everyone has completely different roles about how they see the world also women stay at home and, and cook uh, cook and make <laughs> fires yeah uh, this book reverses that and it's awesome and I, i'm you know that's not something i picked up on in the show i, I know that, tuxedo mask is yeah that is absolutely it, explicitly part of the show and it kind of rules which is great I, i'm glad to hear that because you know you only watch a little bit of a couple of random episodes of this and you get the impression that tuxedo mask is basically the show's piccolo and he just sort of shows up occasionally uh, I mean, all right, James, what's that. your favorite? <laughs> he does have wide <laughs> shoulders and a cape. Does he ever wear a shirt that says bad man on the... Oh, wait, no, that's, that's Vegeta. Post-boy. He's, he definitely post-boy. has a post-boy shirt. Uh, <laughs> believe me, the fashion in Sailor Moon could have its own specific podcast dedicated to specifically <laughs> it, inc- especially what Darian wears as his uh, clothing <laughs> of choice. Um, well, yeah, let's, let, let's talk about how you wouldn't want to see a 17-year-old in a tuxedo and a hat. Uh, that that's just I mean, that'd no, be the worst seventeen-year-old daytime clothing. Uh, in the first episode, he just dresses like Count Dracula. He is wearing <laughs> a tuxedo, but also has a medallion for no reason. It's <laughs> amazing. <laughs> it's Doctor Orpheus, the seventeen-year-old boy. I love it. <laughs> it is. Um, all, right, all right, James. What's your favorite thing about this? So, uh, while it's not my favorite thing, I think I think it is worth noting uh, that. This is a good book to have nearby if you are a Sailor Moon fan. Like, if you're listening to this because you really like Sailor Moon and you're wondering how the role-playing game is, uh, bad news is the game is pretty bad. Good news is the book is full of a lot of interesting like details and stuff that that you will, it, it, as a fan, have a lot of fun reading. Um, my It f- is a good resource book. Yeah. My favorite thing about the book is the Sailor Moon Says sections in it. Uh, To (laughs) fill space, at the end of every episode of Sailor Moon for season one in the U.S. 90s cartoon, they sort of had like G.I. Joe uh, and Transformers style moral lessons at the end of it that's like, Sailor Moon says, don't give your social security number out to strangers. Like, um, (laughs) believe in yourself. Don't be racist um and and like throw a baby at anyone that that is throughout this book it like with no relation to what's happening on the page like it is just peppered with little text boxes where sailor moon's like yeah if somebody's talking about a foreign power they're probably a spy you should report them to your (laughs) look that that is not exactly what she says says, it's all good stuff like that it's good fun stuff that said, I dig that because I didn't have that context. So for me, I just saw those as just like you know standard GM advice sections that you see in books like this. But to know that they're directly connected to uh, the old school '90s 
a daytime TV show PSA thing would be that just makes you want to see a Sonic the Hedgehog RPG now. Yeah, I mean, like it's it's crazy that they spent page space on it because it has nothing to do with role playing. It's just like, oh, Sailor Moon, that seems like good life advice. Like, thank you. Oh heck, they they spent page space on an entire height chart. I think I think they had the space. Yeah, they oh. probably did. <laughs> it, it just must have been so expensive, which I guess explains why this system didn't go very far. Uh, yeah, I can see that as part of it. Um, John, what would you say is your least favorite thing about this book? Oh, God. the I want to say the worst thing for me in this is the fact that if you do end up going like, oh, I need to make a like power-gamed character... You can really just murder the shit out of anything you want. <laughs> like, no problem. It's it's kind of sad. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I'd say, I'd say my least favorite thing is uh, that the game has. Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's um. Oh, it's trap options. I'm sorry. That's that's what mm-hmm. I'm, the word. I'm, I don't know why I'm having such a tra- hard time coming up with trap options, but it's definitely. Uh, the fact that a lot of this book is things that you could take for your character because you like something about the show that doesn't do anything in this game. That he thought it was super important for the fact that, you know, Sailor Mercury has a pen, or uh, Sailor Moon has a pen that lets her turn into people or change her costume, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he needed to have a full power set for that that type of thing. Uh, but it doesn't do anything. It doesn't, it, it's a, a great way to spend character points or which I, I guess I might as well call like efficacy points or points that actually do something on abilities that don't actually do something. Like I think both those things can exist as separate subsystems. Like here, choose a number of things for your character that does stuff. And then also, here's another page. Fill this up with fun transformative items that don't actually have any in-game effect but make for great role play. Oh, I would like to see that, yeah. Yeah, that's I, I love that sort of thing in a role-playing game where you're like, uh, here's a whole page on gear. Just put things down that you're going to use in describing stunts and cool things that your character does that, uh, that you, all it's going to do for you later is serve as inspiration, and you don't have to spend points on it because why would you? Yeah, God, it, there's the, like, it's amazing. There's 20% of role-playing game in this book, and of that 20%, at least 5% are different abilities and skills that are Hey, just, uh, you know, if you put more points into this, it's supposed to have a greater in-game effect, and that's entirely in the hands of your GM. Have fun, everybody. There's there's a whole <clears throat> there's a whole heightened senses section that's like that, where it's like, at one point, your character has 1.5 times the senses of an average human. <laughs> at three points, your character has three times the senses of an average human. And you're like, okay, what does that do? Does it, does it give me a skill bonus? No. <laughs> no, nope, so, definitely okay, not. Okay, so... No, of course not. Why would it need to do that? Uh, James, what is your least favorite thing in here? Um, My least favorite thing is that if you're playing this with kids, which is, I think, you know, if you're making a role-playing game based on a children's franchise, uh, the game should be something that uh, you want to play with kids. And, well, the TriStat system seems really easy to play at first, it it's actually not, and it also doesn't work very well uh, in practice if you're playing with like fully grown adults who are cautious of not destroying the system. Uh, so I, I just, I think my main complaint about this book that I think is still full of really valuable material for sailor moon fans is that it's bad. That's the thing that <laughs> disappoints a, me the it's most. Just it's, not just, a good game. it's just not a good game and it could be. <laughs> 
You know, it would make a great thing is if you were to just take a little uh, a game that is built for kids and just reskin it. Yep. I would I would play the shit out of uh, No Thank You Neflite, for example. Yes. Yep. That. Yeah, that would be great. Uh, so let's see. Let's go, John. Would you play that? Would you play No Thank You Jedi? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd gi- I'd give that a go. <laughs> All right, let's get into the real one, though. John, would you play uh, Sailor Moon RPG and support or supplement book or whatever it was? Resource yeah. book. Yeah, no, I I could not. I <laughs> would not, could not. I It's it's a, it's a game that not only is the system just sort of broken, but, man, I don't, I don't care. I just don't <laughs> care about Sailor Moon. <laughs> this didn't sway you? This didn't bring you over to the fold no. on Sailor Moon? Are you no. sure that episode-by-episode episode summary didn't convince you to love this series? <laughs> it, was, it was so close. I could feel myself getting pulled to that dark side John- by knowing what was happening with Sailor Moon's shopping habits. Okay, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yourself? Did you make it to the section where you find out that they go on a vacation adventure and stay in a hotel <laughs> that is run by a werewolf, a vampire, and a mummy? <laughs> oh my god! That's a real episode. That hotel must be amazing. Uh, turns out they were just in the uh, the shoot for a Backstreet Boys music video, but you know, <laughs> yeah, you think it's going to have that Scooby Doo ending, but that payoff never comes. They're just <laughs> monsters. Please come down for breakfast in the morning. We have Booberry and Count Chocula <laughs> and Fruit Brutes, but not no Frankenberry. <laughs> Christ, I, uh, yeah, I, it didn't get me quite to the point where I want to watch the show either. Although I do really want to watch episode thirty-six so I can help speculate as to what that office building in the background might be. Yeah, what you gotta solve that mystery, I gotta, huh? I, I gotta see that building for myself. Maybe he missed a detail of what I have to assume is a cheaply drawn rectangle in the distance, probably in some shade of off yellow. <laughs> I okay. Uh, would I play this game? Uh, it's a convention okay game for me. Uh, that's kind of become my new category is would I play this game all the time by myself? Would I recommend it? Would I play it with friends? Hell no. Uh, it's, it's not a very well designed game. Mm-hmm. If there was some, if there was someone who announced, Oh, I have a early nineties copy of the TriStat system, sailor moon at a convention and I'm running it instead of pathfinder. I'd be like, hell yeah, brother, sign me up. I will play in your dumb, weird game for a day. That's fair. Um, so yeah, so that's that's where I'm at. I'll play it just for a fun challenge for a day at a convention where I don't really have to spend a lot of time getting invested in these characters. Uh, otherwise, this isn't the sort of game where I would run a home campaign. And James? Um, yeah, like, I mean, if the question is, do I want to play a Sailor Moon game? And, like, I, I feel like convention okay to me means that playing the subject is way more important than playing the system. Um, that is true, yeah. And so, like, yeah, I would absolutely play a Sailor Moon game. Would I play this game? Absolutely goddamn not. And I've run this game. I've played this game. There's a public record of it. Uh, and I played it with the best people to play it with. And, and still, it is not a very good game. Uh, but I still think if you are a big Sailor Moon fan, if Sailor Moon is one of your things, uh, as it is like one of my things, you should at least read this book. There are like free PDFs available on the line. Uh, you can check it out. Uh, there's a lot of fun, weird, stupid information in here um, yeah. that I, I think a lot of people will enjoy. I breezed through the reading of this because of how much fun it was to just read all this dumb setting information and just have a good old time with it. So, so that is definitely true. Um, okay, so I think we have a few other things to discuss. That's that's basically it for that. But, James, you're not just here to talk about Sailor Moon with us. You've got something else going on. So uh, 
at this point, we're going to hand the microphone over to you. So please explain to us why you're really here. Oh, that's right. My secret ulterior motive, uh, apart from being a System Mastery fan, is that right now I'm running a Kickstarter for a new actual play project called The Dungeon Dome. Uh, the Dungeon Dome is a cross between uh, professional wrestling and Dungeons and Dragons. It is a player versus player gladiator campaign um, that is uh, just taking place in this professional wrestling style universe. Uh, we've already run a few versions of this. Uh, you can check them out on our YouTube page at OneShot. Uh, we're currently just a bit above 50% funding in our first week. Uh, if you know anything nice. about Kickstarter math, that's doing pretty good. Uh, so please come over and check it out. Uh, if it sounds familiar to X-Crawl at all, if you like, hey, X-Crawl's a fun concept, but uh, didn't sound like a fun role-playing game. Maybe... Did not stick the landing. Yeah, maybe maybe check out uh, Dungeon Dome. Uh, I, I think we're going to do a better job of presenting it as entertainment than that book did as creating it as a game. Um, yeah, so, that, yeah, that seems reasonable. Uh, we're supporters at this point. We've, we've come on board, and we, of course, are going to encourage our listeners to do the same. Uh, One Shot, of course, is, is our home nowadays, and so we want to see them succeed, even though we aren't really a part of this one, because uh, unfortunately, with it being a live-action experience, uh, our, our San Diego location kind of keeps us out of Chicago. Yeah, uh, stretch uh, goals could change that, System Mastery fans. Like, if we propel ourselves uh, way over, like, one of the things that I do want to look at is... You know, just like if we get, you know, $500 over for like $1,000 over, let's uh, let's fly some guests into town. So, um, yeah, that that is not too far off in the stretch goals if you're if you're into that kind of thing. Listen to that, listeners. If you want to hear us go out and participate in this and let's let's admit it brutally kick ass at this. Yeah, because (laughs) because. Not uh, we were the we were the ones who put this in your head originally, right? Because of our X crawl review. Um, no, actually, I was uh, sort of playing oh, with these blocks <laughs> a little bit before the X crawl review, and like as I was uh, preparing to launch this as an idea, I heard X crawl, and I was like, oh. I guess this has already been done, and then like <laughs> I made it to the end of that episode, and I was like, oh, it was done badly. It's fine. <laughs> That's great. Well, perfect. Well, yeah, I mean, even if even if we never make it out there and we don't participate, we do want to encourage all of our listeners to get involved because it's awesome. It's also for a particularly cool cause, if I remember correctly. Well, wait a minute. Because you guys James, are coming. To- when, when are you coming to Chicago? Like October? Yeah, the third week of October, I think. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this changed a little bit because that is while the Dungeon Dome is running. So oh, we could oh, easily no. get these boys involved. We'll rope them into Just- it. Just know that if we do hit a stretch goal and we come out there, we're doing the Dungeon Dome, we are definitely blowing it off and getting hot dogs. Yeah. <laughs> well, we had, we had joked around early on that, that uh, our dream would be uh, not necessarily to participate with everybody else, and, but to announce Mm, uh, oh my color Lord. commentary but but you know what i'm not sure i have no idea i don't want to get in your creative process i'm not here to i'm not here to float ideas what i am here for is to support the dungeon dome to to uh, make sure that this thing gets uh, gets finished so listeners uh, get out there follow that where, where do they go to do that uh, james uh, they can head over to kickstarter.com and just search for the dungeon dome uh it's also plastered all over one shot social media. So if you're you're on our Facebook page, if you're on our if you see our Twitter account, like I am talking about it constantly and will be talking about it constantly until it is a sure thing. Because uh, one of the things this will do is make it so that I don't have to do my shitty day job anymore, which will be <laughs> a really wonderful thing. Um, so that's what I was trying to get to there. Uh, yeah, I was, I was saying that this is this is trying to get you to being a 
permanent all the time role playing game luminary and uh, public figure. Oh yeah, and game designer like uh, that. That like uh, right now I have a ton of game design ideas and and no time to do them. So th- this would change all of that stuff. Um, yeah, once as soon as you as soon as you're on that fast track by yourself, I'm going to bring you in on Blimp Leggers. Hell yeah, hell yeah. We we're, we have to get happening. Blimp Leggers to the people. We absolutely yeah. have to. <laughs> <laughs> so, folks, that's the Dungeon Dome. Uh, definitely go and support it. Like James was saying, we may already be out there in time to be a part of it. Even if we're not, it's a cool project. I've watched several episodes of the first couple times they've run this. It is a hell of a lot of fun. It's an innovative, cool experience, and uh, I strongly recommend it. Uh, so that's that. And then otherwise, we have a couple of other minor show details to go through at the end of every one of our shows. First, we want to thank James for being here. Thank you guys so much for having me. Seriously, it was a blast. And then why don't you plug your regular stuff at the same time? Oh, yeah. I'm, uh, this is part of the One Shot Network. Uh, that means there are a bunch of other shows in the One Shot Network. My show in particular is One Shot, where we explore different good role-playing systems by actually playing them. Every week, we have a new cast of players who are improvisers, game designers, and other notable nerds, uh, and a new game system. Uh, the one that we're doing right now is Worldwide Wrestling uh, by Nathan Paletta. And uh, for that one, we got uh, wrestling podcaster Colt Cabana to join us. Uh, So we got an actual professional wrestler to play a wrestling RPG. It turned out bonkers. Uh, I really, really suggest that one. That's phenomenal. And of course, we've been on that show, too. So if you if you haven't checked that out already, you can go back and listen to us uh, hanging out with John Rogers, John Rogers, the creator of Jackie Chan Adventures and the library. Wait, is it the librarian? Yeah, the librarians. Librarians. Leverage was his other big one. And also he, uh, in conjunction with Lin-Manuel Miranda right now, is producing the King Killer Chronicles for (laughs) television. So. He's a big deal. He wrote the like the Transformers movie, not the good one. Yeah, not well, the good wrote, one. He wrote the he wrote the Sam Witwicky first one. Yeah, and um, he he wrote the core. Uh. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, I I uh, you know that was an amazing experience for us. And I've listened to the three episodes. We were playing some game called Triniton. That was a hell of a lot of fun. So go listen to that. Go listen to all the one-shot episodes. Uh, support our network and support us on Patreon, systemmastery.com, or patreon.com slash systemmastery. If you do that at any level whatsoever, you get our bonus content, yes. which we're going to go make right now. We're going to be making characters in this very game that we just reviewed, which... Boy, we barely talked about it, so maybe you'll learn a few more things about the actual game design. <laughs> and and otherwise, you can find us, uh, System Mastery, at SystemMasteryPodcast.com, uh, System Mastery at Facebook, Gmail, Twitter, uh, where else? Uh, Reddit. Reddit's the other mm-hmm. one. Reddit.com uh, backslash R slash System Mastery, whatever the fuck it is. You know how to do Reddit better than I do, so go find us <laughs> at all those places. Leave us your comments and questions and suggestions and all those great things, and check out our two new shows, because we uh, we're diversifying our, our brand here a little bit. In addition to our new show, Gamma Crawl X, which you paid for and you're getting, that's our very first foray into live-action role-playing ourselves. Uh, it's also a Dungeon Arena-themed thing based on X-Crawl. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're running through the world of Gamma World 7th Edition as a ridiculous collection of monsters in a, a Mad Max-inspired post, post-apocalyptic future. Yep. And our other new show, Expounded Universe, which is probably the only one I should really bother pushing at this point because it's taking off like a goddamn bottle rocket. Oh, it's so good. Uh, it's so fun. 
People are really liking it. It's uh, what we're doing with that one is it's, very slowly. It's reptilian. But, it's colder, which is what I like. <laughs> it's it's so cold, so calculating. <laughs> and then also badger people enjoy it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, our slow burn review of old Star Wars expanded universe novels. And we started with Shadows of the Empire, and we are still very early in Shadows of the Empire. We are taking our sweet pressure cooker time discussing everything about Prince Sheezor oh. and and Dash Rendar and and the rest. And the rest. I don't that game, that book hasn't been all that big on exciting new characters. It's pretty much just the two and then it's pretty much the, just ruining characters it, you already know. Yeah, it's just like, hey, you know, Leia, what if she was really, really whiny? Hey, Luke, <laughs> what, what about Luke? What, what what if Luke just endangered all of his friends constantly all the time? Just for no reason. What if what if Luke was was unreasonably sexy, apparently? <laughs> <laughs> I, so What do you mean what if? <laughs> He's got that. He, I swear, when they were like, "Who could there be a handsome as, uh, a man as Luke elsewhere in the universe?" and I was like, "Yeah, he's the lead singer of Sticks. <laughs> <laughs> he, he looks exactly like the lead singer of Sticks did in 1977." I uh, so those are our shows. Check us out, enjoy us. James, thanks for being here. We'll see you very shortly in the bonus content. Thanks so much for listening, and have a good week. 